Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, welcome. Uh, my name is Dan, and I'm one of the elders here at Trailhead Church. And uh, this morning, we're going to be kicking off a short uh, six-week series on the Psalms. And uh, if you've been with us the past few weeks, um, you know that we've been in the middle of a series on Galatians. And we're actually pushing pause on that for a little while, uh, because uh, Steve, our lead pastor, has actually uh, just started his sabbatical. And so we're giving him a break and just a time of rest. Um, And so as he steps away, um, we're going to be digging into the Psalms, and then he'll be back in about mid to late August, and uh, we're going to jump back in uh, to Galatians. Um, So I also want to let you know that uh, this isn't the first time we've dug into Psalms, and so if you go to our website in the sermons or go to our podcast, um, we did a a series titled Real Life, um, where we dug into the Psalms. I believe it was about a year, year and a half ago, maybe. Um, so you can find that on, on the website. If you would like to hear um, some more of the Psalms, uh, there are about 150 of them, so there's plenty of material there uh, for us if you'd like to, to engage that farther. Um, so you may be asking, what, uh, what exactly are the Psalms? And so the Psalms, um, it's a book of, of a collection of poetry and, and songs in the Old Testament of the Bible, um, written by uh, several Hebrew authors. And uh, they were intended to be, to be sung by the people of God. Um, and what I appreciate about the Psalms, is there's a sense of, of rawness and honesty uh, to emotions. It's a real picture uh, of the human experience that we get to see uh, in the Psalms. It's not uh, filled with, with platitudes, but instead it's filled with, with deep and true and, and real emotion um, and experience. And so there are exclamations of, of joy where people are, are celebrating. Um, there's honest confession of sin where people are broken and, and repentant uh, with their sin. Fears are exposed. Doubts Doubts are expressed, and feelings of frustration and anger are unloaded, and it's all present uh, in the Psalms. Um, Theologian John Calvin uh, said it this way. He said, For there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here in the Psalms, represented as in a mirror. All the griefs, sorrows, fears, doubts, hopes, cares, and perplexities they are all presented here in the Psalms. And, and I get excited about this because the Psalms acknowledge the reality of emotions uh, of everyday life that, that we feel. And the Psalms help us to see how we can express uh, those emotions in relationship uh, to God. Okay, they serve as a, as a model for us. Um, so I mentioned their, their songs and, and poems. And so how many of you this morning can think of a, uh, maybe a song uh, or poem that has impacted you uh, in some way 
or given, given words to, to what it is that, that you're feeling. Um, so some of you couples may have a, a song that's kind of like your song or, or maybe the song you dance to at your wedding or, or maybe there's a song um, that, that reminds you of a, of a loved one that you've lost. Um, but, but songs have a way of, of giving us words to express when we may be at a, at a loss of words. Um, and so maybe... You know, you find that, that special song and you're able to look at your maybe significant other and, and you just find that song that fits perfect. And you look straight in the eye and you just tell them, never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to run around or desert you. Um, I, I debated whether or not I would go there, but <laughs> I did in first service, but I decided to do this one. Um, so anyway... Um, my point being is that the psalms are able, songs are able to help us express our emotions. And some of you, I'm going to get a little nostalgic uh, on you guys. Some of you may re- remember or know what, what this is. Um, you can see the words there, uh, title, I love you. Uh, for those that don't know, that is actually a cassette tape. Uh, it plays uh, audio, plays, plays music. And the way that this used to have to be done, if you wanted to share some, some music with someone, and obviously in this case here, um, it says I love you on it, it was, it was a tape to be given to someone that, to express uh, affection. And so this took a lot of work actually to do this. You had to have you know, a cassette player that had is a dual cassette where you could play on one and record on the other. And you'd have to cue all your songs up and get it just in the right spot and then hit the buttons at the right time and, and get it all set and squared away. But you would put songs together that sometimes it would just be songs that you want to see if the other person likes the same kind of music that you like. Um, or other times it would be songs um, that uh, would express some emotion uh, about how you feel about that other person. And uh, so you would put together this mixtape, and then you'd have to uh, write all the songs down on the little paper insert that would come in the tape, and uh, then you would give that to the other person. And uh, I know some of you are, are just, right now, you're, all you can think about is, man, who's going to wind up that uh, that loose, uh, <laughs> that loose uh, tape there that's in there, and you you remember having to take a pencil and, and wind that up, and uh, that might be bothering you um, right now. Um, but anyway, um, again, the point being that, that music, that songs and poems can help us to express uh, what it is that we're feeling. In the same way, the Psalms help us to give words and expression to what, what we're feeling and how we can relate uh, to God in that. And so as we read the Psalms, as we jump into the series, um, for us to be able to ask ourselves, where, where do I see myself and my experience in the Psalms? Like, is there a Psalm that I can identify with, with what the author is communicating and how they feel, whether it's joy or whether it's sorrow, whatever it is, whether it's repentance, and you can identify with that. Um, so where do we see ourselves in the Psalms, and, and do they express our experiences? So the title of, of this morning's sermon uh, is actually titled, When God Seems Distant. So how many of you have ever felt like God just seemed um, far away? Like God just seemed uh, like he's turned his back on you? And, and one of the times we're most likely, we're most prone uh, to feel that is in the midst of suffering. And we can suffer for a variety uh, of reasons. Sometimes that suffering is because of something, is a consequence of something that, that we have done, um, something that, that we've done to someone else, um, and there may be a consequence 
to that. And that would be, in a sense, uh, can be a just suffering, that there's a consequence. We have to pay, pay back for the wrong that, that we've done, or there's a consequence for that wrong. Other times, we, we suffer because others have hurt us. They've, they've offended us. They've taken something from us, and we can suffer in, in that way. And then there's also suffering that we just experience as part of living in a, in a broken world, that our, that our bodies um, our bodies age, and we experience illness and, and pain and suffering in that way. And there are natural disasters that we experience suffering, and we experience loss uh, of loved ones and, and death. Um, so there are a lot of ways that we can experience suffering. Our world is, is full uh, of suffering. And so if you haven't experienced deep suffering yet, unfortunately for all of us, we will at some point, or at least uh, I'm sure you all know someone that, that has experience deep, deep suffering. So what do you do? What do you do in those moments when you experience suffering? For some of you, that moment might be, um, might be this morning. Maybe you're going through something where you're experiencing suffering. Um, for others, maybe it's still something in your past, and as you think about it, it still, still causes pain. Um, so our psalm this morning that we're digging into is one that actually digs in to, to suffering. It digs into sorrow. It's a psalm. Uh, it's called a psalm of, of lament is the category that this psalm uh, fits into. Now, there are over 150 psalms. Okay, so there are, there are a lot of psalms uh, in Scripture in this book of psalms. And about a third, about a third of those have to do with, with lament or, or suffering, expressing grief and sorrow. So it's no small number. Um, so the authors didn't shy away. The authors didn't avoid engaging that and sharing and expressing what it was that they were, that they were feeling. So here in Psalm 13, the author is expressing deep, deep anguish and sorrow. Uh, so let's take a look again at the first two verses of Psalm 13. It says, How long, O Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So the author of this psalm is David. And uh, you, may, you may have heard the story of David and Goliath, um, the small boy defeating the giant. Uh, and this is that same David, uh, the David who would later become king of the nation of, of Israel. Okay? This is that, that David. So this guy was, was a warrior. Okay? He was a king. He knew how to fight. He knew what it meant to be, to be tough. But we also see that David had, had a tender side. And even though he was a warrior, even though he, David was a strong man, we see him expressing grief. We see him expressing sorrow. So here he is raw, he's transparent, he's honest. And he asks four times in this passage, it says, how long, O Lord? How long am I going to have to endure this? He says, God, will you forget me? Do you forget me and will it be forever? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face? Now David knew. David was... David loved God. He knew the promises of God. So he knew this wasn't an expression of, did God actually forget 
him. He knew that God was all-knowing, that God was all-powerful. David was communicating, God, how long will you remain inactive in the midst of my suffering? So God, don't, don't you see what's going on? Don't you care? Um, have you turned your back that you're just going to let me be here in the midst of this suffering? And so to David, God seemed inactive in the midst of his suffering, like he no longer cared, and he had turned his back on him. And David's endurance is waning. That time has a way of exaggerating our suffering, exaggerating our struggles, that it wears us down and it makes it even, even more intense. And so David is asking, how long? Now David also here says that how long will he um, take counsel in his own soul. And so what does he, what does he mean by that? Um, here, what that means is this is talking about when we, we ruminate in our thoughts, when our, our thoughts of our suffering, and understandably so, that they consume us, that it's all that we can, we can think about, that is so overwhelming and is so painful that it just occupies all of our thoughts. We're trying to figure out um, why, is this, why is this happening? Is it something that I did is God angry with me? Why, why am I experiencing this? And we, we sit there and we spin in our own thoughts. And, and David is saying, God, how long? How long are you going to let me stay here? So this is where, this is where David uh, is at. Um, and so my first question this morning is, is, where do you see yourself in the beginning of the psalm? Or do you see yourself? Can we relate in any way to David's experience that, that sometimes just the waiting even is, is the hardest part of this. And uh, it's one thing to have a wound for, for a day or for a short period, but then to have it for, for weeks or maybe even years. And some of you can relate to that how long component. Um, for some of us, uh, that suffering might be relational. Maybe it's a, it's a broken relationship. Or maybe um, someone has, has hurt you and they have not, not sought to, to reconcile that or to give you an apology. And, and you sense that pain every time you think or, or see, think about or see that person. Um, or maybe the pain is, has to do with, with singleness and isolation. And maybe you're just feeling, feeling lonely and it seems like God doesn't, doesn't see that or God doesn't acknowledge that. And you're wondering, does, does God even care uh, that it's this way? For others, our pain is, is physical, that we suffer with, with illness, um, that our bodies, our bodies break down and we struggle to, to heal. And so maybe you're, you're experiencing suffering in, in that area. Uh, and for others, either suffering um, financially. Maybe you're just struggling to, to find a, a stable job and to be able to support yourself or to support uh, your family. And so there are a lot of places where we can suffer. Um, and so I want to ask this as well, as we look to see ourselves in the Psalms, um, where in your life do you feel like God is ignoring or that God doesn't, doesn't care? And what do you do with that? What do you do with that? So this Psalm, Psalm 13, as we engage this, it helps us to see how to respond to our suffering and our seeming distance from God. So I want us to notice in this psalm is how David responded. Um, so some of you might have, might have checked out when I started talking about emotions. Like, oh no, is, is uh, Dan wanting us to get all, all touchy-feely here this morning and, and trying to get us to, to cry or to weep? Um, 
And my point this morning isn't to get us to have uh, an emotional experience. Okay, that's not, that's not my goal here this morning. But my goal is for us to be honest about where we're at. For us to be honest about where we're experiencing suffering, where we're experiencing pain. To be real like David uh, was real about that. Because I believe that emotions will come as a result of being honest. We don't have to work them up, and that's, that's not... Definitely not my point this morning, but I do want us to look uh, at being honest. And we see that David, David is doing that in the psalm. So being honest, what does that mean? It's about not denying, minimizing, or diminishing in any way uh, the painful reality of what it means to live in a broken world. See, God doesn't ask you to lie about your consequences. God doesn't ask you to pretend you're suffering isn't real. Okay? That's not, he doesn't expect a response from you like that, like nothing is wrong, or to, that you need to put on a happy face and just pretend everything is, is okay. And there are some teachers um, that would say that, that basically all you need to do is you need to just have more faith, you need to think positively, and you believe you can accomplish and overcome anything. And that's where you need to go with this. And I say, hmm, that's not what I see here. That's not what I see in the other 30 Psalms of Lament presented in Scripture. That's not what I see when, when Jesus in, in the New Testament, when he's about to be crucified and he's crying out to God. Jesus, the Son of God, also cried out. He also experienced sorrow. He also experienced pain. So why would we think that, that we won't also experience those same things? Or that it's not okay to express that. Okay, that doesn't sound like scripture, and that's not David in this psalm or the other 30 psalms of lament. Um, now, what I also want us to remember uh, this morning, that to keep in mind that, that the psalms um, weren't meant, they weren't written uh, for isolation, to be read in isolation, obviously, because um, this one was in scripture, and so we all get to read and, and share in this experience. But the psalms were written to be shared and sung uh, corporately. Okay, so this was David's personal, personal lament. But if you notice at the heading of, in your Bible, it most likely has a heading above verse 1 in chapter 13. And that heading says, To the choir master, a psalm of David. Okay, to the choir master, the king of Israel has written a poem, a song about his sorrow, and he gives it to the choir master for the entire nation to sing and to be able to join with him in that. That David does this as a model for us. So it wasn't about keeping it in isolation or isolating himself in the midst of his suffering. He invites the entire community in to experience suffering. So as we engage the Psalms, Uh, and seek to be shaped by the Psalms. Uh, Let us determine to be honest with with ourselves and to be honest with with each other. And and what does that look like? And to be honest with God in the midst of our our suffering. Um, Now, what I also hope for us to see uh, this morning is that um, to understand that that our emotions uh, are not a problem to be solved. Okay, They're not a problem to be solved or, or to be fixed. That God actually created us with, with our emotions, 
that we bear his image through our emotions. God made us that way, made us to feel, made us to express emotions. That we see in Scripture, we see that God was, was angry over certain things, that God rejoiced, he delights in us. And we see that, that God grieved. We see Jesus where he wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. And we see where he also rejoiced. And we see where he was passionately angry. We see the, the range of emotions in our God. And he made us also to have those same emotions. So the emotions are part, they're part of the human experience. And they can and should be shaped to, to good ends. We can do something and respond to our emotions in a healthy way. Um, so you, my point being is that the Psalms will not only help us to express our emotions, but to also to take them and to shape them and to form them. So the, the Psalms are also formative. They're expressive and they're also formative. They help us respond rightly and honestly to our emotions. Um, so now, now that we've seen that David was honest with his emotions, where, where does he go next? Um, so let's pick back up in verse 3 of Psalm 13. It says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. So David is a model for us here, um, because he's honest about his suffering, and he goes to God with his suffering. Okay. Now, what, what are some ways that, that we respond to suffering? And so I wanted to share some ways with you, and this isn't an exhaustive list, but it's one that, a list that we can be prone to go to. Uh, so the first is bitterness. So this is feeling like God has um, betrayed us or treated us unfairly in some way, um, and we can be prone to being consumed with our anger, to reject God, to avoid him because we're bitter. We're angry that he has allowed something to happen to us or to someone that, that we love. And we don't understand, and we think God is unjust and unfair, and we don't want anything to do with it. So we may be bitter, and we may hold that and be consumed uh, with our anger. Another way that we can respond is, is with apathy. Um, so this is about avoiding, avoiding pain, feeling like nothing will, will change, that our circumstance is hopeless, and we're helpless. And so rather than, than being able to deal with it, to push through it, and to pursue healing, what we do is, is we just numb. We just numb. And so we choose just not to feel anything. And I included a, a quote in your, in your bulletin from counselor and author Brene Brown. And, and she writes that when we numb hard feelings, we also numb gratitude and we numb joy. So we can't think that we can just turn off the hard stuff and that it not affect the rest of us. Okay? So we can numb. We numb our emotions when we feel pain. We have apathy and just let it alone and hope that it will, will go away. Um, another way that we can do this is, is escape. And so this is finding comfort in, in a, maybe a substance uh, maybe it's, it's food or alcohol or something else of, of the sorts, or maybe it's a, an activity, something that we do that we look 
to, to something else other than God for comfort in order to find, to find relief. And so we seek to, to escape. But what David did here is David responded by asking God for help. He responded uh, with prayer, and he pleads with God. He says, God, if you don't do something, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like I won't be able to endure. If you'll just acknowledge, God, if you'll just acknowledge my suffering and do something about it, but don't let me continue to be isolated and distant. God, don't let my enemies gloat over me and rejoice in my suffering. And what I want to highlight about this is that prayer, prayer is an expression of dependence. It's a response of dependence, recognizing that we need God. See, bitterness, apathy, and escape, those are all expressions of, of independence, where we seek to fix it ourselves or to deal with it on our own. Subtly, we're saying underneath that, what we're doing is saying, no one else is going to fix this, so I have to figure it out, and I have to learn how to deal with it on my own. And so prayer, prayer goes against that. It says, I can't deal with it on my own. I need God's help, but I'm not going to avoid it. I'm not going um, to just be apathetic. I'm not going to be bitter, but I want to pursue God's help. Now, on a, a side note, something I also want to address with this is, is we can also get more confused. Uh, we can also get confused in the midst of our suffering that uh, we can think that if we were just more spiritual, we think that if we just had more faith, that our suffering wouldn't be happening to us. That if we were a good, mature Christian, that we wouldn't be experiencing uh, these emotions of, of despair. Um, and the, the message underneath that is this, that the kind of belief that if I were better, if I were a more mature Christian, I would need God less. That I would need him less. That's not the example that we see in Scripture. David was a mature, true believer. He knew, he loved God. He knew what suffering was like. He has seen God work miraculously in his past. The truth is that with increased maturity comes greater recognition of our dependence on God. So it's not, I need to to stop doing this thing, or I need to stop feeling this way so that I can know I'm a more mature Christian, that I I can not need God to be working in this area of my life. No, God wants us to be more dependent, to recognize how helpless we are because we weren't made to be independent. We were made to depend upon him and to receive the overflow of his his blessing and delight in us. So here in the psalm, David cries out and he pleads with God for help. He was in agony and he took his agony to God. So after David goes to God with his request, um, we see a dramatic shift here in his mood. Okay, there's like a, a significant change here in the psalm. We see verses 1 through 4, that there, there's deep sorrow, there's anguish, there's grief. But then this is a short, a fairly short psalm. You see in verses 5 and 6 that there's just like this dramatic change where there, there is peace, there is trust, there is confidence. It says this in verses 5 and 6, it says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love, 
My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So there's an assertion of trust in God, that God's love is steadfast, that it's unfailing. And so not only does David get a sense of of confidence in the midst of this, but our passage says that he rejoices. He rejoices and he sings. He's singing to God out out of joy. And David's peace and joy comes from a remembrance of God's promises and recognition of where God has worked in David's past. That as David sought God, as David prayed, God worked in that and gave David a a peace, a peace that we can't know in the midst of suffering unless God's grace gives it to us. So David, I can only speculate, but David may have remembered how God used him to defeat Goliath and to save the nation of, of Israel. He may have remembered that, that before David was king, the, the king at the time, King Saul, sought to end David's life, and he was pursuing him and trying to kill him. And God preserved David and then later established David as king. Now, the salvation that, that David was also rejoicing about here um, that salvation involved a, a promise. See, David had, had seen God deliver him from difficult circumstances in the past. But David also believed in a promise that was, that was yet to come. A promise that, that there would be a Savior, a Messiah, that, that would deliver, deliver God's people. That there would one day, there would be a time where there was no more fighting, there was no more suffering, there was no more death. There was no more pain. And that promise that David was holding on to will later be fulfilled and completed in the person, in the work of Jesus Christ. That, that we believe that the ultimate problem, the ultimate enemy, or is sin. The sin, is, in a sense, or essentially, to put it simply, is disobedience to God, that God made the world and he made it perfect. There was perfect peace, there was perfect harmony. We call it shalom is the word that is used there. Expresses perfect wholeness. And when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, they subjected all of creation to the brokenness of sin. The pain entered into creation, suffering entered into creation, where we sought to put ourselves in place, in place of God. And God, in his steadfast love, was committed and said, I am not going to leave you there. I'm not going to let it, that's not going to be the end of the story. And so what God did is he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is both fully God and fully human, came. And and he lived the life we couldn't live, and he died for us to pay the price for our sins. See, God is a holy and a just God, so he can't ignore, he can't ignore our, our disobedience and our rebellion against him. But what he did is he took that, the payment upon himself. And Jesus said, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to experience in fullness the sorrow, the pain that is expressed here in the psalm. 
that Jesus experienced a pain that hopefully none of us ever have to even come close to as he was beaten and then hung on a cross and left to die. And David's fear in the psalm was that that God would leave him in a suffering to the point of, of death, that he would die. And Jesus did actually die. He died, but he rose again, defeating our enemy of death and saying in the future, it's not always going to be like this. In the future, death will be no more. And Jesus did this in an ultimate expression of God's love. And so I want to encourage us with this morning is that in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, we can feel like, you know what? I don't think God loves me right now. I don't think God cares that I'm suffering, I'm experiencing pain, and God's just turning his eye, turning his face from that. And what I want to remind us of is God died for us. God loved us so much that Jesus died for us in the ultimate expression of love. He felt betrayal. He felt He felt the fullness of what we might feel. He did it for us, and we look forward to the day where He will make all things new. And so I want to invite you this morning, um, if you don't consider yourself a Christ follower, or if you're at that place where you don't feel like God loves you, I want to invite you to believe, to consider what it is that Jesus has done for you. And if you'd like to talk about that more, we would love to have that conversation uh, with you. We would like to try to answer any questions that, that you might have, to explore your doubts, and, and to share. I've shared it briefly, but to share the story uh, of Christ and what he has done for us. So if you're here this morning um, and you're in the midst you're in the midst of the suffering, and maybe you're feeling bitter, maybe you're feeling apathetic. Um, I want to communicate. It's not about simply stopping um, and remembering God's, what God has done. It's not a switch. You can just say, okay, I'm just going to do number three here, and we're going to call it, call it good. Okay? It's not about being stoic or, or having a fake sense of peace in the midst of our suffering. Okay? It's not about just jumping to number three. So if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not there. Like, I want to have that peace. I want to have the confidence that, that David had, but I'm just not there yet. I want you to know that that's okay. That's okay. We're not asking you to fake any of that. It has to start with us being honest, being honest, and going to God, and letting God meet you where you're at in the midst of your suffering. Or maybe you're here this morning, and um, you're saying, you know what, this, this psalm just doesn't really fit me this morning. Like, things are, are honestly pretty good. Um, I have a lot to be thankful for, and I'm not really experiencing a whole lot of suffering um, right now. I want to encourage you this morning um, to consider to consider um, how you can love others well, how you can love those around you well. See, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, in, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, he's talking about, it's a chapter where he talks about how to love 
people well. He says in that that we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and we're to weep with those that weep. That in doing that, we love others well. Earlier I said David's psalm wasn't just a private lament, but he actually shared it. The entire nation, entire nation joined with him in singing, in singing this psalm. Okay? So I want to ask you this. Who around you do you need to let be honest with their suffering? Where can you be a listening ear and not minimize, not diminish or deny in any way the experience of that person? But where can you be present with them to listen and to walk through that suffering with them? Where can you pray with them? They may not have the words at the moment to pray. And you can pray with and for them. God calls us to pray for one another, and we need to do that. And where can we encourage others in the midst of our suffering to believe, to be reminded of the promises of God? And and I want to encourage us to be careful with, with this one, because there can be the temptation to kind of lob truth missiles, so to speak, and just proclaim truths without being sensitive to where the person is at and what their experience is, and just expecting them, well, I'm going to tell you this, and you're going to believe this, and we're going to be at at number three. That doesn't work that way. I'm going to encourage you. The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you, and he will lead and guide you in this. So be sensitive to where the person is at, and there may be something that you can remind them of the truth, of what God has done for them, how much God loves them, and the promise, the future hope uh, that we have in him. So lastly, as we wrap up, uh, I just want to encourage you with this. Um, For those of you that are are sensing suffering uh, this morning, um, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. It says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Again, and I highlighted the word himself there. One day God himself will make all things new. He'll re- fully remove the consequences, the effects of sin. And he himself, he himself will comfort you, will strengthen you. That as a believers, we will one day get to stand before God and to see his delight in us to see his emotion about us, and to be comforted by him. And we get some of that now because God is, is, we believe that the Holy Spirit is in us and the church is to be the physical presence of Christ. And so we should seek to comfort one another. And that's, that's great. That's awesome. We need to do that. What the scripture is telling us, want us to hope for is that one day God himself will fully restore confirm, strengthen, and establish us. So as we wrap up, as we close, um, let's have some questions for us to consider and and to pray about. And then uh, after we do this, um, we'll take communion. So the first is, what do you need to face honestly uh, before God? Is there anything that you're struggling to just be honest about that you want to avoid? Maybe it's where someone has hurt you. Maybe it's um, a place of suffering in, in your life. And where are you afraid or, or avoiding being honest 
uh, about that suffering. Next, where have you seen God faithful in, in your past? Um, that sometimes just to stop, that our pain can, can, and understandably so, consume us. And it can be all that, that we think about. But we can, if we can pause to think about, okay, where has God worked in my past? Where have I seen his faithful hand? Um, and if you're, not, if you're not there, I want to, again, encourage you, it's okay. We, just ha- we have to start with being honest and, and seeking God. But where can we be reminded of where God has been faithful in our past? And then lastly, I want to ask, how can we love others in the midst of suffering? Um, so I know there, there are several in our community uh, that are suffering. And so where can we seek to, to love them well? Even if it's not... Um, you may not have the opportunity to be in deep personal relationship with, with everyone that's suffering uh, in the church, um, but we can join with them in prayer and pray for and over them. We can encourage them and let them know we're, we're thinking about them and desiring to care for them. So how can we love others in the midst of our suffering? So let me pray for us. I want to invite you to continue to, to think about those things, and then we'll join together in taking communion. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you give us a picture of of honesty in regards to our suffering and our emotions. That you don't expect us to just pretend like everything's okay, to avoid it, but you invite us to honestly engage it and to bring it before you. So God, I pray this morning that you would help us to do that, um, to help us to be honest and to start there to be honest with you about where we're at. God, I pray that as a church, that you just help us to, to love and care for others well, um, to learn what it means to be generous with, with our time and, and our energy and our concern uh, for others, um, that we are to be your presence, um, your physical presence here, here on earth. And there's so many ways we can demonstrate your character and your love um, to others. And so help us to do that. Um, but God, as we engage, um, I just ask that, that you would comfort the hearts of those that are, that are suffering this morning. May we look forward to the hope um, that you have given us, that one day all that suffering will be gone. Help us to endure and help us to trust in you that whatever you're doing in the midst of our suffering, uh, that you are good, that you are faithful to us. And that will not be for naught, that you shape us, you mold us through our suffering, and that it will increase and strengthen our faith. So help us to believe that this morning. Help us to sense and respond to whatever it is, um, however it is you're leading us to respond this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.